MSW Media. This is the Daily Beans for Thursday, September 2nd. This is not Allison Gill or Dana Goldberg. They are on vacation. This is Greg Oliar. I'm your host for today. I was also your host yesterday. If you listened yesterday and today, I'd like to thank you for sticking around and having faith in me to land this plane because I've been given great responsibility here. We have a wonderful show today. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The only thing worth talking about today is this abortion ban, this draconian abortion ban in Texas and the Supreme Court not intervening to stay the implementation of the law. This is catastrophically awful for a million different reasons, starting with people are going to die in Texas. Women are going to die. Disproportionate number of those women will be poor, people of color. They will die. Nobody in Texas seems to care, at least in the in the top government of Texas, which is, let's talk about who these people are that are bringing these things on. And I understand this is from the, the Texas legislature, but let's look at the, the leadership of the Republican Party in the state of Texas. You have Greg Abbott, the governor. If you've seen pictures of him, you see that he's in a wheelchair. Reason why he's in a wheelchair is because when he was jogging one day, a tree fell and struck him on the back, paralyzing him. Turned around and filed a lawsuit against the owners of the property where the tree had fallen, won some massive settlement. What did he do? He used his legal training and initiated tort reform so that the law that he used to get that big settlement, now people can't use it anymore. That's what an evil fucker he is. I mean, going into the job. Between the, the power grid, power grab, which resulted in people dying. Remember, that's when Ted Cruz went to Cancun. Between that and the inability to deal with COVID and to put the restrictions in place, he's been willfully, actively exacerbating the spread of COVID in Texas all along. I think he finally came out in favor of vaccines like a week ago. And now this. It's pretty clear that he is, first of all, a selfish asshole. And second of all, he wants to kill as many people under his watch as possible. I mean, that's what he's doing. We can only judge a man by his actions, and that's what his actions reveal. His number two, Dan Patrick, in the state of Texas, the lieutenant governor actually has more power than the the governor for some reason. I'm not really sure why. This is the guy that went on TV last year during the pandemic and lobbied for the state to reopen, saying, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was close to this, we need to be willing to sacrifice our our elders to help the economy. So that's who that asshole is. And he, of course, has been lockstep with uh, Abbott in these policies that have resulted in people of Texas dying at greater rates than they should. And then you have the attorney general, Paxson who is under indictment, has been under indictment for, what, four or five years for, like, fraud? 
That's who's in charge there. These are evil men. There's no nice way to say it. They're evil men. Now, what's interesting to me is that I hate when people try to point out the hypocrisy with this stuff because it's so easy to do. But the same kind of people that get riled up about masks, I can't wear my mask, you're impinging on my freedom. They're totally fine with this repressive Taliban-esque abortion ban, which is going to result in people dying and women and children dying and in great numbers. It's also going to, it's, it's, they're throwing a monkey wrench into the medical system, into the healthcare system right now, because now people, I guess, can be sued because, uh, you know, if they do anything that suggests abortions, so you have doctors and providers can be sued. What do they think is going to happen here? People are going to leave the state is what's going to happen. There's going to be a, a, a brain drain. It's going to be devastating. And I think that's by design. I mean, I can't, it, 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 it boggles the mind, right? I remember reading years ago about Ron Paul, his great libertarian, Ron Paul, also from Texas, of course. Ron Paul, oh, libertarianism is great. The government shouldn't have any power. I don't want the government in my business, except for abortions. Then the government's okay. Then it's okay for the government to step in in a medical decision between a woman and her doctor. Then it's fine. None of that makes any sense. It's rank hypocrisy. That's all that it is, right? And the thing is, what really makes me mad about this, in addition to the, the cruelty and the, the amount of energy that this is going to suck up from people that should be working on things that we, you know, that we don't have to, we're working backwards at this point, is what I'm saying. This is what I'm trying to say. We shouldn't have to worry about this at this point, at this stage in the game. Any argument that is quote unquote pro-life is dumb. I'm just going to say it right here. If you don't like it, too bad. If you don't want to get an abortion, hey, here's what you do. Don't get an abortion. But to create a law that prevents other people from doing something that's medically necessary, that's a decision that a doctor, a trained medical professional, advises a patient to do. How is that like a thing? Because why? Because you're too dumb to understand biology and how like the body works. You believe the disinformation campaign about, oh, life begins at conception. No, it doesn't. Even the ancients didn't think that. Anyway, we could go on and on. There is no good argument to be pro-life. There's none. The only arguments that people make are religious in nature. And religion should have no basis at all in the way that we govern ourselves. That's pretty basic. I mean, we were in war in Afghanistan partly because we didn't like the fact that the Taliban wanted to declare Sharia law there, right? They treated the women badly. They treated the LGBTQ badly. Well, we can't protect our women here. This is no different. This is, this is men in positions of power imposing their will upon half the population. That's what it is. It is a power grab. And I want to talk about that too, because I understand this is an emotional issue for everybody. And it should be. It should be. Because this is unconscionable, and the people that are doing this are awful, awful, awful people. They might think they're great, but they're not. They're awful people who are imposing cruelty on a population because they think that their view of righteousness is more righteous than whatever. It really sickens me. But it's bigger than that. The abortion debate, such as it is, is bigger than that. This is going to go to the Supreme Court, probably, right? Somebody's going to sue. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. Maybe the Supreme Court will strike it down. We hope they've done that before, but there's no guarantee. And we have on that Supreme Court, six of the nine justices on the Supreme Court right now, six are radical Catholics 
I'm allowed to say this because I'm a confirmed Catholic, and I'll tell you, these are radical Catholics. What does that mean? There was a group of people in Washington, D.C. that hung out at the Catholic Information Center, which was the Opus Dei-affiliated center there in Washington, run by this guy named Father McCloskey. Among the people in that group, Antonin Scalia, former judge, right, and Clarence Thomas. Lots of other people, too. You can. I, I wrote a piece about this on Prevail called Leo the Cancer, and if you're interested in this, I encourage you to go read it. Leonard Leo, the titular Leonard Leo, who is basically the brains behind the Federalist Society and Judicial Watch and all these groups that, that Senator uh, Sheldon Whitehouse is doing a really good job trying to expose the dark money going into these, into these coffers. This is a guy who went in there with his buddies and subverted our judicial system. He groomed judges to be on the court and he put them there, right? So all of them, Roberts is one of these guys. Kavanaugh, obviously, is one of these guys. Gorsuch is one of these guys. Amy Coney Barrett, one of these guys. She's a woman, but still one of these guys. And Alito, that's the other one. These are all people who subscribe to this influence of this Father McCloskey and that original group of radical Catholics. Ultimately, the vision that they have for the country is not consistent with democracy. Opus Dei grew out of fascist Spain. It's, it's part and parcel of fascism. And what these judges are trying to do, the mindset that they all have, that these dark money creatures like Leonard Leo have, is to impose their idea of what should be lawful on a society, even if it is not what the majority of the people want. Most people in this country are pro-choice, as should be. So to have a, a system where we are not, where we're going back to the Stone Age medically, how are we going to do that? unless we subvert the court and tear down democracy. So this is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing for the women of Texas. It's a scary thing for women all across the United States. And it's also a scary thing for democracy and people who care about democracy. It's scary. It's terrifying. It's abominable. And I wish that I had some better news about what we can do about it, because I don't. Other than the Supreme Court needs to be expanded. Kavanaugh needs to be investigated. I've written ample stuff about this. Go to my Twitter feed, Greg Oliar, at G-R-E-G-O-L-E-A-R. It's the pinned tweet. Read all about Brett Kavanaugh and the many, many laws that he broke and slimy things that he's done and how we can get rid of him from the Supreme Court, right? Other than that, we're at the mercy of these people. There are only nine Supreme Court justices. Six of them are these Leonard Leo radical Catholic Supreme Court justices. That is not an adequate and representation of who the country is. And that needs to change. We need to change it. Or this is just going to get worse. It's going to get more autocratic. Our rights are going to continue to erode. And unfortunately, the people that are going to bear the brunt of it are women, people of color, the LGBTQ community, the people we should be protecting with the greatest force are the people that are most exposed. And that's what's so terrible. Now, that's what's going on in Texas, in California. We have another attempt to subvert democracy there by this recall vote, okay? Gavin Newsom, look, whatever you think about him, he's the Democratic governor of the largest state and most important state in the country. California is a lot closer to turning red than people realize. This is a really important vote. If he goes and he's replaced by that wackadoodle Larry Elder guy, it's curtains. That's ballgame. Democracy is over. Over. 
let me tell you what I'm talking about there. Let's just project this a little further. Okay, let's say that Newsom is recalled, Elder's now the governor, and then something happens to Feinstein. Okay, there goes the Senate. Now we're fucked. Fucked. So if you know anybody in California, please lobby them to go vote. All you got to do is vote no. Don't fill out anything else on the ballot. Vote no. No to the recall. Send it back. Super important. No pressure. Future of democracy depends on you voting. Again, these things are connected. The California recall vote, the stuff that's happening in Texas, this is a, a coordinated operation, and we're all bearing the brunt of it, and it needs to end. And the best way, the surest way that we can make it end, because we outnumber them by a lot, this is a small vocal minority, very well-funded, possibly not, by the way, by American money. How the fuck are we supposed to know? It's dark money. We don't know where it comes from. They're not allowed to report it, right? I don't know who pays off the Federalist Society. I don't know. It may be Americans. It may not. How the hell will we know if we can't be revealed who the donors are, right? Which is also dangerous. The thing to do, spread the word. The dark money needs to go. And I wish I had better news. This, is, this has been a, a really depressing day. Uh, two days between the, the hurricane and Afghanistan and now this... Allison, you know, she she really gave me quite a day to take over the show. I, I wish I had could come on here and 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 uh, tell you something better, but unfortunately, um, I'm bound to what happens on the day to day. You know what can I tell you? So, I think we are going to have something fun coming up later that might brighten everybody's spirits. Usually, I'm the person on Twitter who brightens everybody's spirits. Today, I don't feel very bright. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, I'll feel brighter. Maybe the Supreme Court will have done something. Maybe we'll have some sort of wake-up call. I don't know. But democracy is at risk. And all this means is that people, more people, are going to die because the Republicans have become a radicalized party that's operating against the interests of the people of the United States. When we come back, Allison talks with Varun Nakor, president of the AAPI Victory Fund, plus a best of the good news segment. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Upstart. You know me. I'm AG. And I know a lot of my friends have been living off credit cards for the past year during the pandemic, year and a half now. And those balances, you make the minimum payments and the balances stay the same. They don't go anywhere. Racking up debt is easy to do and paying it off can seem like an endless uphill battle. But Upstart can help you regain your footing and start eating away at that balance and get things back on track. It's an online personal loan service that helps you pay off your debt quickly. Over half a million people have used Upstart to consolidate debt or pay off credit cards or fund personal expenses with simple fixed payments. Other lenders only look at your credit score, but not Upstart. They look at other factors, too, because they know that you're more than just a number. So they look at your, you know, your job history and your income, stuff like that. And that means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five minute rate check, you can see your rate upfront for smarter rates for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And upon approval of your loan, funds can be available as quickly as the next business day. I know lots of people have found themselves in a financial hole and have rising debts, but I recommend checking out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today. Just go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. And please use our URL so that they know we sent you. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. So go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. 
I am so honored today to be talking to the president of the Asian American Pacific Islander, that's AAPI Victory Fund, and also the executive director of the AAPI Alliance. Please welcome Varun Nakor. Varun, hi. Hi, how are you, Allison? I'm I'm good today. Thank you. It's a good day. I'm a little worried about this Delta variant and everybody's sort of response to it. We've got a lot of news going around with the Cuomo thing. I mean, there's just so much going on. But I, I thought it was really important to talk to you today because I've seen some of your previous hits that you've done and appearances that you've made and the important work that you're doing. Can you tell us, first of all, let's start with the Victory Fund. Can you tell us a little bit about the AAPI Victory Fund? Yeah. So the Victory Fund, API Victory Fund, I should clarify, has uh, been around since 2015. And we were uh, established under the main premise to fill this gap in the voter uh, participation equation, if you will, where folks get registered to vote. Uh, Often these times are first generation immigrants. Uh, 60 to 65% of APIs are first generation immigrant. And then after that, there's really no uh, organizational capacity out there to help educate these uh, new voters uh, how to vote, what the issues are, were, and who to vote for, obviously on a partisan basis. And so that was why the Victory Fund was formed to fill that massive gap. And considering we're obviously the fastest growing population in the country, uh, we now have 23 million voters, 7% of the overall population. And we delivered in this last election. I know we're going to dive into some of that um, in a little bit, but you know, we, we uh, at the outset, we're trying to fill this major gap We think we filled it under the correct operating premise. We still have a lot to learn about API voters because the amount of research and polling that goes into APIs is abysmal. We really don't know what we don't know about the API community. So that's what we're trying to fill. Yeah. And I've noticed that the API community is being left out of a lot of conversations. But recently, a few months back, there was a large focus from the Biden administration and the Department of Justice on AAPI violence, hate crimes against the Asian American Pacific Islander community, especially as it relates to COVID. And I was wondering, with the steps that the administration and the Department of Justice have taken with regards to those hate crimes, do you, do you think that what they've done, first of all, what have they done? And do you think, do you find it sufficient to battle this? Because it seems now that we're not talking about it anymore. And I'm, I'm concerned. And we are concerned as well because one might intuitively believe that the accounts of violence on APIs would decline as COVID was declining. Now it's obviously on the rise again due to the Delta variant, but that is not the case that hate continued, uh, acts of hate continued to rise. So that has uh, us deeply concerned because now as we see the cases and deaths start to increase, we're we're shuddering just thinking about what may happen. Uh, in terms of the Biden administration and have they done enough? Uh, look, it, it is absolutely uh, you know correct, and they are on point uh, for what they did. Uh, you, you know, in the in the short run to help investigate and help clarify where specifically acts of of hate were happening, but. There is still 99% of what we don't know. What is the true cause of hate perpetrated against our community? 
yes, it's easy to say Trump ratcheted up the rhetoric and thus it increased the acts of hate. Yes, on a high level, that's what happened. But the undercurrents of hate are typically ignorance and what we don't know about certain communities. We assume a lot of things because uh, there was a survey done several weeks ago and the average American was asked, name name an Asian American that you know. The two people that came to the top of the list, Jackie Chan, uh, not Asian American, <laughs> number two, Bruce Lee. So there is a lot of that that I think the American populace overall doesn't really even know about Asian Americans and that this might in fact be one, if not central to the root causes of hate. And until we can get down to those root causes, uh, we're not going to be able to even have a educated conversation about what policies and legislation we may want to enact in order to curtail this. Yeah, that root cause is such an important piece of this because, you know, we talk about Trump's rhetoric, et cetera, but that hate was already there. It was just switched on and given the green light by that rhetoric, right? It, 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 he didn't cause people to just all of a sudden have this hate in their hearts, right? It, it already existed. And that's a little bit about what the AAPI Alliance is kind of working on. So can you talk about how, how those two things intersect? Yeah, completely. And great pivot. So the Victory Alliance was formed several years after the Victory Fund in 2017, mainly as a a way to help communicate with APIs agnostic of election. Yes, we need to, to talk about election. Yes, we need to encourage people to vote, all that. But how do we engage with the API population um, on a day-to-day basis on issues that they can be armchair activists over. Uh, Obviously, the Trump administration gave us a lot uh, to uh, fight against, and we were often on the defensive. Now uh, we're on the the offense, hopefully, uh, we hope. Right, for Um, now, right? (laughs) Temporary. Who knows how long that will last? So the, the Victory Alliance was founded to sort of be this repository of communications, advice, and messaging guidance to local organizations so that they knew how to respond and also so that we could deliver calls to action to our community. And then obviously when we got closer to uh, election time, then we were able to pivot more to election messages uh, and we became the trusted messenger. The reason that is so critical is we we have heard more than we probably care to about the vast amounts of misinformation and disinformation out there. Uh, now we're seeing it uh, play itself out in a very ugly way on the vaccine and a whole host of of other issues. Uh, but that is that latter part is key. That you know our our core competency is really being that trusted messenger. And to add a little bit to that, about three months ago we launched the first ever a. API think tank that is centered inside of the Victory Alliance. And why do we need need to do that? Uh, Well, in Beltway speak, (laughs) we need to have that uh, because uh, we don't know, once again, what the root causes are of a lot of the issues that our community is facing. Uh, facing rather, uh, We don't know the root cause of hate. Uh, We don't know the root cause of um, oftentimes why For example, our community does not 
uh, or cannot rely on government assistance that is out there for everyone to take? How come our community in certain cases doesn't take advantage of that? So there's a whole host of things that we want to write policy on and then work with legislators to turn that into legislation where necessary on the state, local and federal basis. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to confront a problem without studying it. You know, gun violence is an example. You know, we aren't allowed to have study gun violence as a public health issue. And, you know, so solving it is pretty impossible until we figure out what the what the data are. And so I I can totally appreciate like having to find that data on the root causes so that you know how to craft policy and make recommendations. I mean, we you know, we can't put the car before the horse. And so I think the work that you're doing is incredibly important. Thank you. And I, I want to talk to you. I want to pivot a little bit to elections, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Awesome. Thanks. Everybody will be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is my go-to professional online licensed therapy. Their counselors are available when you need them to assist in whatever challenges you face. BetterHelp can assess your needs and assign you to an experienced licensed therapist within 24 hours, so you can begin communicating almost immediately. Dealing with PTSD and anxiety has taught me the importance of getting support instead of trying to cope alone. And I know it's hard to ask for help. But BetterHelp makes it easy. I love how convenient it is. Their therapy is always available anytime, anywhere in the world. You can log onto your account and message your therapist. You receive timely, thoughtful responses. And you can also schedule weekly meetings, either over the phone or with video sessions. And it's more affordable than traditional counseling. Financial aid's available too. And changing counselors is always easy and free, which is important for that therapeutic match. So visit BetterHelp's website and read some testimonials. This one is from user DA, who says, Roslyn Gallegos is incredible to work with. She helped me clearly define my goals, and she always does research before our sessions to help work toward my goals. She always speaks kindly and encourages me. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Also today, the show is brought to you by our new sponsor, Proton, and I'm so excited about this. I'm in the middle of setting up my Proton profile as we speak, it's business in a box. It's a new way to get eyes on your stuff. I know that there are so many listeners of this show that are creators and makers and sell stuff. I, you sent it to me and I love it. And now you have to try Proton. And I, I have a free offer for you, which I will get to in a minute. But let me tell you how Proton works, right? It's LinkedIn on steroids, basically. Everything you can do in this app. You download the app for free then you create your presence in fewer than five minutes so like, let's say you have an Etsy store or let's say you sell stuff on your own website or you sell through other vendors' websites or all three. This is an additional tool that you can use as an additional revenue stream to grab more customers, drive them to your site or sell right there in the app. It's incredible. You can attract new clients using engaging videos, throw sheets up and pictures. It's, it's amazing. It's so, so user friendly. It's incredible. You will get it immediately. And you can connect your calendar for hassle-free scheduling. They can manage your payments for you on Proton. And they also provide detailed reports to allow you to understand your customers and you can analyze your inventory and your sales. And right now, here's that deal I was telling you about, Daily Beans listeners. You can try Proton free. Just visit proton.com slash Daily Beans. Proton has two N's at the N, okay? So it's Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-N.com slash Daily Beans. And from there, that's where I want you to download the app in seconds to set up your profile to let them know we sent you from that website, proton.com slash Daily Beans. Just check it out. Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-N dot com slash Daily Beans. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking to Varun Nakor. Hi, Varun. And, and before the break, we discussed a little bit about 
policy, policy creation, the think tank that you're working on that's subsumed within the AAPI Alliance. And we talked about the AAPI Victory Fund. And now I, I want to pivot over to elections because there it's all <laughs> it feels like it's always election season. <laughs> we can't like get a break. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the Asian-American Pacific Islander community in Georgia, that voter block made up the margin by which Biden won 12,000 votes only, you know, in in that state. And so, I mean, that's huge. And now we're getting all these new voter suppression laws. They're making it more difficult to vote. I feel like the AAPI is being left out of that conversation. What is the AAPI Alliance and the Victory Fund doing to sort of overcome those hurdles? Because we know the filibuster, we're trying to get voting rights passed, et cetera. I mean, even the John Lewis Voting Rights Act is facing opposition, even within the own party. People don't want to carve out a filibuster for voting rights. And it's starting to look like, unfortunately, it's going to be more difficult to vote. How is that impacting the AAPI community? And, and what sort of work are you doing to, to mitigate that? The impact is huge and sometimes immeasurable, right? Because we are such a new voting block uh, in town, so to speak, that and there's so little information on AAPIs in voter files, in research and polling, and um, just the base level knowledge of AAPIs is so sparse. It's hard to, to, to quantify the full effect. But I can say this with surety, that no doubt Republicans in Georgia, in Texas, in Arizona, uh, and in Florida, where we have seen the worst uh, attempts at voter suppression passed by those Republican legislatures, that they saw what happened in this 2020 election, just like we did on the left. And they were trying to curtail the methods to which AAPIs in certain cases overrepresented um, a a type of voting, a style of voting. Uh, For example, in the early vote, absentee vote, uh, you know, time frame and in that specific way to vote, we had the inordinate um, uh, majority of uh, of voting amongst our community than any other demographic. So they saw that. And yes, I mean, they are not only targeting us, uh, they, they are targeting blacks and Latinos and indigenous and all marginalized people, um, in the, including the poor, frankly. Uh, and so but we we feel today, given the current state of of voting in this country and what happened in this last election, that we now have a new target on our back that we didn't have to worry about before. And so thus, if voting rights coalitions and organizations, and frankly, the White House do not include us in that conversation central to any attempts to mitigate uh, this, uh, uh, you know, these, these styles of voting restrictions, that they will then create law or regulations or legislation <laughs> that is not fully thought out and thus will that we will have more unintended consequences later on to deal with so that's why we absolutely need uh, to be at the table we're not asking to be ahead of anybody else all we're saying is that we need to be uh, at the table with all these other civic leaders so that we can work on this in a coalition effort yeah i i don't think 
people I think people underestimate uh, how much also gerrymandering has has impacted the AAPI. And and I, I can think of several examples right here in my home district. And again, just, you, you know, not special, not more, just seat at the table, I think is not too much to ask for. But that's a really interesting point you brought up about a new target on your back, because I mean, I've, I just feel, unfortunately, for so long that, that this whole voting block has kind of been ignored. Not that I'm saying, hey, everyone, pander to a new voting block. But, you know, I mean, realistically, it's such an important block and such an important movement with all of its own considerations. And, and so I think that that's sort of kind of what the, the Victory Fund and the Alliance are, are, are working toward doing, especially with creating this think tank. Completely. I mean, think about what has happened in a four-year cam- uh, campaign cycle. It's it's something that's never happened before that we've been able to find in the history of politics in the United States of America. We went from voting 15 to 20 points less than the national average in 2016 to voting approximately close to the national average in one election cycle. So astounding. Nationally, yeah, no, no demographic does that. No, no demographic, demographic does that. I mean, I'm thinking maybe the Irish American vote in the late 1800s in New York City. Maybe you know, I know I'm sure there's something in the annals of history that I, you know, I consider myself a wonk, but I just don't know about. But so uh, you know, in and to kind of put it into another uh, another stark frame, right? So we had the highest voter turnout in 100 years, and that was a 12 percent increase. And the API vote increased 47% in the same time, in the same election. Wow. It's just hard to grasp, frankly, even for people like me in politics who do this work every day. I've been trying to scream this from the rooftops because, frankly, I knew it was coming. Other people in the business of API politics sort of knew that it was coming since 2016, since Donald Trump got elected. Nobody would listen. Less than one tenth of one percent of the approximately fourteen billion dollars spent on the left in the twenty twenty cycle was spent on turning out the API vote. And yet, look at what we look at what and how we delivered. So that is the truth. I mean, people should be writing books about this <laughs> for the next several years because if if yeah. there are elements to learn on how we can apply any lessons to other demographics or other elections, shouldn't we want to know? Uh, you know how we could steal some of that knowledge and apply it elsewhere. Yeah, best practices across the spectrum. Finally, I want to ask you about the youth vote. In the AAPI community, what tell tell me a little bit about what that's like, what the outreach is like, what the turnout is like, and 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 sort of what the Victory Fund and Alliance are doing to kind of push that because it's going to be it's going to be a very big demographic, I think. It is. Uh- so nationally, the youth vote, uh, the 18 to 30 ish vote, is now the largest voting cohort in the country. Right, the baby boomers. Uh, were supplanted by the youth uh, in this country as the largest voting bloc. So this is something that we uh, have designs on addressing more forcefully than ever before. Uh, We saw record levels of youth engagement in this election, not only nationally, but amongst AAPIs. 
So one of the main things we need to be thinking about as uh, two organizations, and, and frankly, all organizations on the left are doing the same, is how do we appeal to youth voters based upon things that are going to make them be more active participants in the election? And oftentimes, it's not the same things that we use to appeal to, you know, maybe an old guy like me. Right. Well, it has to be very different because... Folks like my age, you know, my 47 year old self, we're like, things take time and baby steps and patience. And you know, I, I don't mean to say that they're impatient, but in, in a, if they are, but in a very good way. And they're more like, no, now we have to fix things. Now we have to get involved, get our hands dirty. And, you know, it's so I there's a there's a gap there. And, and you know, I, I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I ask every single organization that comes on here, what are you doing with the youth vote? Because it's, like you said, biggest cohort of voters. And completely. And, you know, it's not like we're trying to shift messages in order to uh, appeal to a community for personal reasons, right? We have nothing to gain. Any power that we gain as organization, we funnel back into the community, uh, you, you know, so want to get that off the table. But for example, two issues I think are going to resonate with the youth vote much more than I would say sort of middle-aged voters and uh, the senior cohort, which are gun violence prevention and climate. And AAPIs are very rarely appealed to by the GVP community um, and also climate organizations specifically. Yes, we see some of that in California, but outside of California, uh, and maybe pockets elsewhere, we're really not appealed to more broadly. And these are probably the the two issues that are going to resonate amongst the most uh, for for youth voters uh, because they are they they are facing something that you and I likely had never faced before. You and I may not be around to see the true full effects of climate change. Um, You and I never had to likely go to high school or middle school and do, uh, you you know, active shooter drills. And this is something that every single youth of today uh, grew up with, the threat of climate and the uh, change and the threat of um, active shooter drills. And uh, they are not, uh, you know, to your point, they are not patient and waiting for incremental results. They are demanding transformational change of our system, of our government, and of the systems that keep incremental incremental change uh, in effect. And they, they, they're saying enough is enough. And frankly, they are going to be the central drivers for, for not only their engagement, but really real movement on this uh, going forward. Yeah. And I'm with them. That whole concept of incremental change is what has us on the brink of a huge climate crisis. That whole concept is what has us on the brink of losing hundreds more every week to gun violence. So it's it's not a sustainable model. And I I, I remember and I, I, I people who listen to this podcast will probably sick of me talking about this. But when Obama sat in the chair with a with the podcast Pod Save the People right after Trump won the election. I put one in quotes, but right after Trump was elected and said, it's the youth, it's the it's the kids that are going to grow up, become voters. They're going to wash over this country like a wave. And that is who is going to be taking over. And we need to listen to them because this is now their planet and these are their issues. So 
I'm glad that y'all are, are doing work with that. It's going to be super important. Can you tell everybody, tell listeners where they can find and support both the AAPI Victory Fund and the AAPI Alliance? Thank you so much. So it's AAPIVictoryFund.com, AAPIVictoryAlliance.com. You can also find information on the Victory Alliance website uh, in regards to our brand new think tank, our board of advisors, uh, and appreciate any support that anybody can give there. Awesome. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for bringing light to these important issues. Varun Nakor, I hope to talk to you soon as we get closer to the election to see where we're at. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Suspect, this great new podcast. In October 2008, the residents of the Valley View apartment complex in Redmond, Washington, Washington State, held a Halloween party. Dozens of people there in costumes, mingling, drinking, dancing. But before the night was over, one of them was murdered. The police had a suspect and his story kept changing, but his DNA was at the crime scene. When he came in for questioning, the detectives were a breath away from a confession, but it didn't happen. So they focused their attention on another man, a man with a criminal record whose DNA was also found at the scene. He just happened to be the only black man at the party. Suspect is a new true crime miniseries about cutting edge forensic science and mislaid justice. It's about race and policing and ultimately the kinds of weighty decisions cops and prosecutors make every day. Decisions that once you make, they change lives forever and you they're almost impossible to reverse, as we know. I highly recommend Suspect to listeners who enjoy true crime and want to hear a podcast that explores a multitude of different angles and perspectives while being entertaining and informative. Follow Suspect on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can binge all nine episodes right now ad-free. That's my favorite way to do it by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or in the Wondery app. And today's show is also brought to you by Helix. Uh, You know, I have a Helix mattress with my favorite sheets. It's my favorite thing. I love sleeping. I sleep a lot and I enjoy sleeping. And that's why I have to recommend my Helix mattress to everyone. I used to toss and turn all night. I would wake up exhausted and sore, but I discovered Helix sleep. I was sleeping on a mattress made for someone else. That is why Helix is great. You go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. You take a two minute sleep quiz. It can change everything. They will match your body type and individual sleep preferences to a customized mattress that will give you the best rest you've ever had. Helix has a soft mattress, a medium firm. They have every kind of mattress. You They have a cooling mattress if you sleep hot, which is great. They have mattresses that are good for uh, spinal alignment to improve m- morning aches and pains and, pre- and prevent them in a lot of cases. They have a plus size mattress for our beautiful plus size sleepers. They have everything. You just, you know, my quiz matched me with the Helix Midnight. You all know this about me because I'm a medium firm mattress person and I sleep on my side. But now I wake up feeling rested and refreshed instead of being tired all day. I'm energized. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews and was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 and 2019, by the way, of GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been also recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and sleep medicine doctors as a go-to solution for improving sleep. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They even have financing options and flexible payment plans available so a great night's sleep is not far away. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Again, helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Do it. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. I am joined by actress extraordinaire voiceover work just the most delightful person you'll ever meet in hollywood i'm sure her name <laughs> is amy carrero and if you have anything you want to submit for good news confessions corrections misheard song lyrics 
Shared Swears, Find the Cat, Happy Places. We have so many games. What the Mutt, Town Twisters, Louis Gomert is Dumb, <laughs> Limericks, <laughs> whatever, Limericks, whatever you have. If you want to start a new game, clearly we're down. So just send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And that is how you will hear yourself read on the air. First up from anonymous Amy, pronouns she and her. Misheard lyric, kinda. When I was in elementary school, I thought the Pledge of Allegiance ended with with liberty and justice for all. <laughs> I spend a lot of time wondering why anyone wanted liberty. How liberty was provided to all. I mean, did the oh, government send out a box of liberty bags or was there a special liberty dispensing place? And whether my parents were hogging the liver tea that was supposed to be for me because I never had any. <laughs> or maybe liver tea was like my dad's beer and only for grownups. <laughs> oh, man. As my pet tax uh, is paid by Abby, found on Adams Boulevard in Los Angeles. Aww. And the best fluffer butter ever. Look at this baby. Oh. oh, my God. Look at the baby with those eyeballs. That's a cute little munchkin and the little head tilt with the little emo hair flip coming over the side i can't believe that anybody left that dog out no just you know oh well that's hilarious and i'm i'm very glad it's not liver tea because really i'd be out i'd be totally out (laughs) yeah i'm like i don't want your i don't want your liver tea or your democracy (laughs) um okay next up We've got Lisa, pronouns she, her. After a terrifying few weeks with lots of tests and hospital procedures, I found out today that I do not have cervical cancer. Woo! That's great news. For Guess the Mutt, I've attached a photo of my pod pets, Ranger and Daisy. Ranger is obviously a black lab. Yep. But can you take a guess about Daisy? Thank you for making me laugh when I didn't think I could. Oh, Lisa, I'm so happy that you got some good news. Lisa, that's so great. And high five. I've been cervical cancer free for 27 years. So amazing. High five to you. That's amazing, amazing yeah. news. And what a load off your mind that must be. And and these, I I, yeah. I imagine these doggos were there for you every step of the way. Let's be. Wow, that's a cool. I mean, they're both beautiful. <laughs> Daisy is interesting. I. I think I still think Daisy has to have some lab, right? Because look at those faces. They look alike. Yeah, lab, pity, maybe healer. Oh, uh, what is that? It's, it makes spots. Oh. Those sp- hmm. spotty dogs. And then there's probably like something Samiot or Chow Chow or something that doesn't make any sense. Always the Chow Chow. Yeah. Always. Daisy is a German short-haired pointer lab. Oh, oh I should have known the German short-haired pointer. Oh, my God. I've never. Wow. OK, I got to look up a German short-haired pointer. They also have beautiful. spots. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. <sighs> Such a lovely doggo. All right. Next up from Adrian, pronouns she and her. Double-ended dildos are as American as apple pie. Brought back a memory. <laughs> <laughs> the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, hosted a contest to see what the Canadian equivalent was. As Canadian as blank. The winner was. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. As Canadian as possible under the circumstances. <laughs> oh, my God. That's perfect. I think that sums up being Canadian to a T. Perhaps this could be a new game as blank as blank. blank that as would be fun if you have a, a country that you want to submit to as Canadian as possible under the circumstances. We would love to hear from you. <laughs> or a state even. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And uh, for my pet tax, I offer you my super mutt, Doug. I sent a pic of him as a giant puppy, and he's almost full grown, slowing down at 90 pounds. The biggest goofball ever, but also a handsome gentleman when he feels like it. Feel free to guess the breed mix. 
hint, there are four. Oh, God. Okay, well, let's, I'm not going to look down. Um, okay, um, lab, is German shim? Yeah. The, uh, mm. Yeah. Um, Shepherd Lab, uh, Rottweiler? Oh, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. And oh my gosh! Look what he looks like now. Oh, definitely, definitely Rottweiler. And maybe Boxer. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. see what we got. Yeah, let's see. Lab Mastiff, German Shepherd, and Belgian Turverin. Mastiff. Yeah. Huh. That's well, where I, I think that's what I was seeing is Roddy is the, what the Mastiff yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I guess maybe the Rottweilers are a little thinner. Yeah. But what a cutie baby. And I have to look up a Belgian Turverin. I've never heard of that. I've never, never heard of it. All right. Next up from Owen. Pronouns he and him. Pronounce the town. Hello, Beans Queens. I'm from New Zealand and I live in Australia. So there are plenty of Maori and Indigenous Australian place names I could throw at you. But even better are the allegedly English place names. Yes. (laughs) My partner, who is from L.A., and I live near Melbourne, which, of course, is pronounced Melbourne. Yep. Just up the road is the town of Guildford, which is pronounced Guilford. In the other direction is Fiansford, which is Fiansford. And oh, hilarious. Anaki, which is pronounced exactly like anarchy, but without the R. Anarchy. Okay. Okay. Anarchy. Okay. This degree of mispronunciation drives my partner insane. <laughs> For pet tax, (laughs) I have a pick of Ronan, the dog, and his new best friend, Chimichanga. Want to take a guess at Ronan's breed? Thanks so much for using your light to brighten so many days, even as you turn your light into dark places. Oh, oh my. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Okay, there's a reveal in this photo. I didn't see it until I scrolled down. Oh, wow. Look at that baby. That is a Samiad Pomeranian. I don't know. I definitely Pomeranian. Japanese. Can you imagine how small the cat is if that's the size of a Pomeranian? That's a Japanese Spitz, my friends. Oh. Wow. Oh, I've never seen a Japanese Spitz in person. Or maybe I have. What a Also, I this is crazy. I've been to Australia and to Melbourne. And that was like one of the first things I noticed because, you know, there's Melbourne, Florida, which is, you know, not close to where I grew up in Miami, but like as a place people know. So I was like, oh, yeah, we're in Melbourne, Melbourne. And they're like, Melbourne. So <laughs> I'm glad to know it drives someone else crazy, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So cute. Okay. All right. <gasps> Amy's court. Dun, dun. Dun. <laughs> One case on the docket. Lemon v. Lime. The wolf pack. Hey, Beans fam, longtime listener, first time writer. I've got a case for Amy's court. Me and my wife have been arguing over the color of lemon lime Gatorade for about a decade now with no <laughs> end in sight. That is until today. We have a collective agreement that whatever Elena Vavilor rules is binding. Oh. Yes, my daughter is six and has watched all of the episodes. Listen, I'm very, very flattered. Thank you so much. Also, I want to apologize for all of the earworm songs because I still <laughs> sing them and I, I recorded them years ago. So. Um, so thank you and sorry. Uh, I've seen the one with the magic dressing closet mm-hmm, about three times. I think that one is the, the one that has sister time on it, which is a song. Uh, regardless, I've got the agreement between my wife and daughter that if Elena, Amy, is willing to make a ruling on her case, we shall accept it because that would be super cool. My personal stance is that the lemon-lime Gatorade is indeed yellow because, you know, I have eyes. (laughs) My wife and daughter, on the other hand, have laid claim that it is green. We've asked many friends for outside opinions, but we remain dug in on our stance. So for once and for all, Amy's court, would you please 
make an unappealable ruling so we can continue on with our life. Okay. I I really I this is this is <laughs> this is oh wow. Now that you mention it, I want to say this is a neon yellow. Yeah, I it's a highlighter yellow. I am so sorry to your wife and daughter. I usually go with the gals on this one, but I th- I, th- I think it's like a highlighter yellow. Yeah, I think I you know, I know they're not looking for my opinion, but I will no, I'll, yeah, I'll we, file no, a, we need it. We need I'll it. file an amicus yes. brief with the court here. I do I do think that falls in the yellow spectrum. Yeah. I really yeah. do. I also love how they they did like a Photoshop, like <laughs> not HTML. What is it when you look up a color code? I forget. Yeah. But they did the thing. And it's it's I think it's very clearly like like a dirty kind of highlighter neon yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see green because the label's green. I, I see green in the label. Right. And maybe that's why. I wonder if we put it in a glass, it would be more yellow. Yeah. I think or if you look be. at the top photo where the label is gray and not green. Oh, right. Oh, look at that. That's so true. Okay, yeah. This is what my pee looks like after I drink all my vitamins. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It looks like vitamin-enriched urine. That's Yes. It's exactly what it looks like. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to take a stance. And again, I, I apologize to your wife and daughter, but I think, I think, I think you might be right on this one. It is yellow. All right. That is Amy's decision. Thank you for writing into Amy's Court Wolfpack. We appreciate you very, very much. And if you have any disputes you need settled, something like this, a decades old long argument about the color of a beverage, you can send that. Even even if you have a dispute with your cat, I have many disputes with my cat. I might have to bring one of these into Amy's Court. Bring one in. We want to know. But uh, if you have anything like that or any any other things you want to add to the good news segment, uh, if you have some good news yourself or confessions, all you know the whole list of stuff that we do. You can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com. And clicking on contact. And thank you so much for all of your submissions. We love you. This is my favorite part of the day. The best. Yes. So that's our show for today. Do you have anything you want to end on, Amy? Um, thanks for listening. And I hope you all have a good weekend. I'm in rainy Boston. So I hope that it gets a little bit better. I'd like to speak to the manager because I was promised a hot girl summer and it's just been very wet. So, yeah, hot girl summers are tough that. in Boston. Have you, uh, <laughs> are you allowed to say why you're there? Yeah, I'm doing a movie. Um, it's for Apple and it's a retelling of a Christmas carol, but it's like, you know, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this part, but you know, we'll just keep it between us. <laughs> um, Ryan Reynolds is playing like the Scrooge and Will Ferrell is playing one of the ghosts of the, of Christmas past or whatever. And it's really fun. It's super, just the best way to spend, you know, a summer on the East Coast, if it would just stop raining. Yeah, I think that 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 kind of makes it a hot girl summer, sort of like it helps. It helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I got get caught outside in a white T-shirt <laughs> in the rain, then it's really hot girl summer. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's amazing. And please tell my good friends, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, I say hello. I will. I'm kidding. I, they don't have any idea who I am. Oh, I bet they do. I bet they do. They're probably like leguminati's for life. Right. (laughs) You walk in and Farrell's got a bean shirt on. That'd be amazing. (laughs) Everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, 
And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated